Welcome to Unwritten Rules, an Iowa Cubs podcast. We've got new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure to check those out. Uh, my name is Scott Saylor. I'm here today with Michael Gartner. Uh, Michael is the owner of the Iowa Cubs. And for three seasons in the Midwest League, the owner of the Michigan Battle Cats and the Battle Creek Yankees. Uh, and that's going to be our topic today. Uh, I worked up in Battle Creek for those three seasons uh, for this organization, and it was quite an experience. We'll start off uh, by explaining to our listeners why you owned a team in Battle Creek, Michigan. <laughs> we bought the team. The team came for sale. We had owned the Iowa Cubs, and we loved baseball. My partners and I loved baseball. And we thought we could buy that team and move it to Iowa. I wasn't interested in being in the baseball business anywhere outside of Iowa. And uh, so we thought we had a chance. We thought the guy who owned the Davenport uh, team was going to move it or sell it uh, and was going to move, and we thought we could move there. But the main thing is we wanted to move it to Dubuque. Dubuque is a great baseball town, and I'd gotten to know it really well uh, during a thing called Vision Iowa, which I was the chairman of the board, and we'd spent a lot of time in Dubuque uh, determining whether we should fund a major <clears throat> waterfront expansion, which we did. I got to know the people, and I thought this would be a great place. And so we went to the people of Dubuque, the city manager, people like that, and. They said, it's a great idea. We said, well, <clears throat> we'll move the team. We'll, we've got this team in uh, Battle Creek, Michigan, and we've got a fantastic general manager there, and we'll move it to Iowa. Uh, you build the stadium. We'll pay you a, go a good rent, but you're in charge of everything. But we'll, we'll put the team there. And I'll tell you, you'll never have another chance because Dubuque's a small town, and you really have to know this town in order to think baseball would survive there. There's very few teams, very few teams that are available, and we happen to have one, and we'll move it there. And they were all excited and everything, and so uh, 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 we were all, we bought it with the hope of, of moving it either to Davenport or Dubuque, and neither one worked out. This is in the fall of 2001. You guys have bought the team. Uh, sight unseen. Let's be honest right now. You've didn't go to Battle Creek before you bought the team. Or after I bought the team. Or after the team. I've never been to Battle Creek, Michigan in my life. But it was a great idea. A lot of, a lot of great ideas. This was the perfect idea. Yeah, well, <laughs> almost, almost perfect idea. Everybody thought it was perfect except the people in Davenport and Dubuque. But we'll get to that later. So Battle Creek in the Midwest League with Cedar Rapids, Clinton, Burlington, the Quad Cities, and a few other teams. A nice little community, I would say maybe similar to Fort Dodge or Waterloo or, or Sioux City here in Iowa, uh, a town that was home to Kellogg's and a lot of other cereal companies back in the day whose better days were probably behind it. Uh, in 1995, they got a Midwest League team in C.O. Brown Stadium. Do you remember C.O. Brown at all? <laughs> he was not one of your contemporaries. No, but I've heard a lot. Like I said, first of all, you should say you were the you were the you were the general manager of the team for the three years that we owned it. That I, that's an interesting story. I don't remember how I got up there. I'd worked here at the Iowa Cubs for two seasons, and I think I volunteered to go up there because it sounded like a fun idea, and it was fun, and we had a great time and everything. But it didn't turn out the way we liked. Uh, 
you know, Sam Burnaby, you're going to blame this on him, I think, a little bit, our general manager, right? Absolutely. Everything that doesn't work out is Sam's. I mean, the idea was a brilliant idea because it was our idea. But the fact that it didn't work out was was uh, basically uh, uh, bad, uh, uh, bad following through. And there were really two guys you could blame. I think Sam, certainly Sam is one. And, and the both of the blame must fall on you uh, as, as a general manager for... Uh, going up there and taking a fantastic operation and turning it into a mediocre one. Uh, I'm going to disagree with that for a little bit, and we'll get to that. But I remember going up with Sam, uh, Sam, myself, and Luke Kaboshik, who was a stadium operations person here, who was also going to go up and work in Battle Creek. We went up there for the first time in January 2001. <laughs> a perfect time to see a baseball field. In Battle Creek, Michigan. Uh and so the first time any of us had been to Battle Creek, first time we saw the stadium, uh, it needed a kiss and a hug and a lot of tender loving care. Uh, they had fallen on hard times as far as attendance-wise and staffing-wise, and we were going to come in there and try to fix things up, and we had our work cut out for us. But uh, Seal Brown Stadium is almost all steel, which you don't see many of those stadiums before, and obstructed views. It had a nice roof on it uh, for the fans, but obstructed views— uh, a nice area. It had uh, about 4,000 seats, most of them general admission bleachers. Uh, Michigan's largest outdoor sports bar in left field, a nice drawing card. And then our offices would be a double-wide trailer just behind the left field fence. And so we go up there, and we stay at a hotel uh, the first night we get there before we go to see the ballpark, and we're talking to some people at the restaurant, and nobody knew anything about the Michigan Battle Cats or wanted to go to a Michigan Battle Cats game. And if we would have known then what we knew now. We knew they were right. Uh, we had our work, work cut out for us. Uh, but Luke and I went up there. We were going to stay there, so we looked for apartments that weekend. And because we were only going to stay there eight months because we were moving to Davenport or Dubuque, we didn't care where we lived. Well, it turned out, for me, eight months was three years, and for Luke, it was five or six years and, and uh, didn't exactly work out uh, the way we thought. But I want to give a shout-out to Luke, great stadium operations intern here. Uh, from Southwind High School up in northeast Iowa. I went to Iowa State, and he was the MVP of our experience up there. He did a terrific job of turning things around as far as uh, fixing up the stadium, cleaning it, painting it, getting how many it ready. People, how many people worked there? We had about five full-time employees, and at the end we had about 15 interns. Uh, the interns did a, a terrific job, too. Uh, they worked their butts off because— we needed them. We needed that staff. They got great experience. Uh, we talked about Luke being from South Wind, uh, Winnesheet County, which you know is the county seat of Winnesheet County is Decorah. Decorah. We had uh, a How's great. That? Was that good? That was good. We had a great intern from Decorah uh, in Stadium Ops, and then we also one of our media relations interns. Uh, the reason we hired him, he went to Luther College, but he was in Decorah. In Decorah, but he was also the bartender at the Southwind Golf and Country Club in Calmer, which is in Wintersheet County. So a uh, shout-out to Wintersheet County. Uh, this portion of the podcast is brought to you by Harmon Realty in Decorah. So <laughs> for all your uh, home and commercial needs, Harmon Realty in Decorah, uh, you never known me to give away free advertising no, or anything. No, that. So uh, we had a good time, but we get up there, and Sam finds out that the deal for Davenport has fallen through, but doesn't bother to tell us until later. <laughs> but So you're stuck with a team in Battle Creek 
uh, that you got to find a home for, and that's when you looked looked at Dubuque. That's yeah, and and we thought, I mean, everybody in Dubuque wanted to do it. We thought there was no organized opposition, and the the lesson there is when there's no organized opposition, be careful because there might be unorganized opposition uh, that uh, can't be dealt with because you don't know where it is. Uh, but uh, so uh, yeah, we had the deal all worked out, and and there was plenty of money in Dubuque because like Des Moines. It's got, or like Polk County, it has a, uh, a casino that the county owns. So there was plenty of money to build a stadium, but the mayor insisted there be a vote uh, for a $6 million. It was going to be a $12 million stadium. The mayor insisted there, that $6 million of it be publicly financed with a bond issue and called for a vote. Well, we weren't too worried about that because everywhere we went, uh, and you know, whether we went to the home for the retired nuns or whether we went to the union halls or the business community, everybody said, oh yeah, and they were all excited about it. And, but we told them, said, you know, if this vote loses, you'll never have another chance for baseball. And, and we were right, because we'll just sell the team. Uh, and so about three weeks before the vote, it had been announced that there would be a fundraiser and I would be the MC. And so all of a sudden, there were these. There was this underground. Do we really want a baseball team here owned by a guy who's going to MC a fundraiser for Planned Parenthood? And this grew and grew and grew, uh, kind of unbeknownst to us. And so the night of the vote, you were there, right? You and I and Mike Judicesi, our my partner Mike Judicesi, we were in City Hall watching the vote come in. And at which point, at one point, Mike Judicesi turned to me and he says, we're not going to have to ask for a recount. I mean, we were just wiped out. It was probably two to one, two to one against us. Uh, and people tell me it was all because, uh, because of the Planned Parenthood thing. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, I don't know. But, uh, and so it lost. And people came up and said, what do we do next? I said, I don't know what you do next, but uh, uh, we're selling the team. And so we sold the, t we sold the team and it's now... Uh, ultimately, Midland Chemical bought it and moved. Uh, um, Dow Chemical bought it and moved to Midland, Michigan, where they're the what the the Great Lakes Loons, the Loons yeah. of the Midwest League, and they got a nice stadium up there. Uh, uh, you're listening to Unwritten Rules, an Iowa Cubs podcast. I'm Scott Saylor. I'm talking with Michael Gartner. Of course, after you sold the team, I had to go back to Battle Creek and work a season. That's right. With the people knowing that we didn't like them, and we want to move the team elsewhere. But I'm going to defend our ownership group up there. Uh, the third of four different ownership groups that own the franchise in Battle Creek. I think we did a terrific job. We were honest from the beginning with the people of Battle Creek. Sam was, if you don't support the team, we're going to have to find some place that did, and that's what we did. We, we looked for that. Uh, we kept all our promises we made. We paid all our bills, and I think we left that franchise in better shape than when we got there. So I'm, I'm proud of the work we did. I'm proud of the work our staff did are and our interns fact, did. Are you proud of the fact that one night you gave away money. Well, it's funny you mention it. Uh, that anniversary just happened. On April 13th, uh, 2004, the Battle Creek Yankees paid people to come to a game. Uh, right. And Giving a new meaning to paid attendance. We set a paid attendance record for not only minor league baseball, but probably all professional sports in any market. Zero. No, 660. We, we paid 660 oh. people oh, to, pay, right. to come to a game. So we paid them how much? We paid them a dollar. 
Brand so, new dollar. Brand new dollar bill. So I don't think I asked for approval to do this. No, I don't think you ever asked for approval to do anything. You should point out that we worked together for how many, 20 years before, before we came here, we worked together at the Ames Tribune. And have known each other since the 1970s because you were at the Des Moines Register as the editor and I was a sports part-timer. Telling me how to run it. Uh, our paths never crossed then, trust me. But you were also a sports part-timer back when you were young. In so we 50s, had some in the 1950s. Connections. So back to paid attendance tonight, I decide we're going to do it apparently without permission. So a couple weeks before, <laughs> there's no apparently in there at all, no is there? Apparently, no. There's, there's no apparently in that. We'll edit that out in post. Uh, so a couple weeks before the event on the 13th of April, it's a Tuesday in April in Battle Creek. It's going to be cold. I know we're not going to have 10,000 people. So I go to Comerica Bank and I say, let's get 2,000 crisp, brand new $1 bills from the Mint. And she goes, yeah, we can order that and get it for you. So we have 2,000 brand new $1 bills ready to go. And it's a cold, crappy night, weather-wise, as it is in April, not even in Battle Creek, but across, across the Midwest League in the Midwest. So we get 660 but people. When, how did you advertise it? How did you promote it? Oh, we got national publicity. Trust me, when we, when we put this out, uh, I got calls from the Associated Press, MLB Network, all the TV stations. Everybody thought it was a great idea, except for the people financing the great idea. Uh, and that was you and Sam and our friends at the Iowa Cubs. So we got 660 people to, to show up. All the general admission seats were free. If you were a season ticket holder and already had purchased your seat, you still got a dollar. So you could theoretically just come to the game, grab your dollar, and leave. But still only 660 people did it. You know, I, I hearken back to that first night in Battle Creek when they told us, you couldn't pay me to come to a Battle Creek Yankees game? <laughs> they were right. We couldn't. But we think, we're going to give away a dollar. We're going to get those back at the concession stand or the store, and right? You didn't. And you didn't. We got 129 of them back because they're <laughs> brand new. You could tell which ones came back. So we got great publicity, and we set a paid Did attention Did it cost record. money to park? No, no parking fee ever uh, at Battle Creek. Uh, and so... It was a great thing. Paid attendance record. It was such a great promotion. It is the only promotion in minor league baseball that nobody has ever copied. <laughs> and everybody copies everything in minor league baseball except that. So we had a good time. Uh, I want to thank you for three years. Uh, we had a great, like I said, we had a great time. We had a great experience. We had great workers. And, you know, we had a great time for three years that you were up there, too, because because we didn't have, have to deal with all these goofy ideas all the time. We were, you were trying them out up there. For instance, I don't think we would have done a paid attendance thing here when you would have come up. <laughs> I, and you probably would have had to ask for approval down here. I wouldn't even bother to ask approval. That was the nice thing about being in Battle Creek, Michigan. It's about 500 miles from Des Moines. And even if Sue, our chief financial officer, is yelling at you over the phone from 500 miles, you know she can't hurt you from that far away. Uh, and there might have been times that Sue wanted to hurt me. But uh, we had a good time. I want to give a shout-out. Uh, the success of the franchise, uh, or the lack of it, was not due to our coverage. The Battle Creek Inquirer was a great newspaper. Uh, they gave us a ton of coverage. Howie Magner, you probably talked to him on the phone I did. A, a few times. A great beat reporter. We got coverage every home game, a few away games, because some of those cities were close by. And every Saturday, they had a full page of uh, battle, crat, battle Cats or Yankees stuff. So the, the newspaper people and the TV people and the media folks 
uh, in Battle Creek did us a great job. So uh, they were behind us. The few fans we had were terrific. The bad thing is there were just a few of them. But uh, they were fantastic. Uh, they loved their team. They loved the players. Uh, we had some great players uh, come through there. I'll get, get that in a second. Well, for, first of all, this was a Yankee farm team and then a Houston farm team, right? Or is it, do I have it reversed? you got it reversed. We're at Houston as the Battle Cats for one year, and then they left. They had to get uh, a high A team, right? They had two low A teams. So when it came time for that to come up for renewal, we had to find a new affiliate. And we thought, we're not going to get the Yankees. They don't want Battle Creek. Well, it turns out they didn't want anybody. Uh, they wanted to see if they'd get by without having a low A affiliate, and the Major League Baseball said they had to have an affiliate, and we were the only team left. So we were the Battle Creek uh, franchise. Uh, Sam decided to change the name from Michigan Battle Cats to Battle Creek Yankees. And how'd that go? That went terrific. I mean, did, did that have any impact on attendance at all? Not a whole lot on attendance, but we did sell some more merchandise. One, uh, the word Battle Creek made it more of Battle Creek's town team, local team, instead of just Michigan. And then the Yankees, of course, just like the Cubs, are a great name to have. So uh, we had a great relationship with both Houston and the Yankees. They couldn't have been nicer to work with. Uh, we went to see a, a Yankees game when we were an affiliate up there, and we saw, I think you saw the Staten Island Yankees, and we saw the Brooklyn Cyclones. Which is one of the great ballparks. Uh, that's right, and had, and had memorable cab rides through Brooklyn. It was it was a fun thing, and like I said, they've got great great facilities. Uh, but I'm sorry you didn't get to Battle Creek. Uh, and I, how long after after we sold it? How long was it still in, was it in Battle Creek? I forget uh, two who we more sold, seasons. I forget who we sold. We it sold to. it to the folks that kind of owned the Omaha the franchise. No, they sold. We bought it from the Savits, and we sold it to Bill Shea and the, yeah, the Buckeye okay. Pipeline people. They had owned some other minor league teams and had some dealings with Omaha. And they sold it to Midland Chemical? And they sold it to the Midland folks. I mean, Dow Chemical and, yeah. and, and moved it to Midland. And they built a new stadium up there. Uh, Battle Creek was a nice town. Uh, it was just not uh, supportive enough of a, a, a professional baseball team in this era. It's right near Kalamazoo. It's right it? near Kalamazoo. And they, they tried to kind of pair with that and get folks from there. But there's a great rivalry between Battle Creek and Kalamazoo. And so it's not always conducive to, to maybe try to do one thing in both cities. What's in Kalamazoo? Was there any sports Western in Michigan University. And they also had an independent league baseball team, uh, the Kalamazoo Kings, I think, at the time. How'd they draw? Uh, okay. Uh, you know, I thought we did a better job as far as that. Uh, but Battle Creek was a great baseball town and still is. It was home to a lot of amateur baseball uh, baseball games throughout history. It had a long that history of that. because of C.O. Brown? And that was because of C.O. Brown. And they also hosted uh, the Michigan State baseball and softball tournaments at the complex that uh, Seal Brown Stadium was at. So it's a good baseball town, not a great professional baseball town, and especially after they'd been burnt by a couple previous ownerships before we came in. There was some trust issues in there. But like I said, I, we did everything on the up and up and, and did a good job, and I think we approved things. And I think the Astros and Yankees would back that up as, as far as that goes. But it was a small market. We didn't have a huge crowds, and it was a small staff. So... I got to do a lot of different things. And, and one of the things I got to do was be the official scorer for a few games. And it wasn't because I know baseball. Were you a homer? I was a homer. And we're, we're going to get to the story here in a second. It's not because I knew baseball. It's because I knew how to run the official scorer computer. And I was the only one <laughs> of the staff that could do that. Uh, and our official scorer, at least in the beginning, uh, 
a guy named Robin was a retired sports writer from Fort Wayne, Indiana, which was only 100 miles from Battle Creek. So he couldn't make it to all the games. So one game early in 2002, I'd been there a couple weeks starting the season. It was a cold, crappy night, and we were playing uh, West Michigan. Now, West Michigan's manager was Phil Reagan, who had managed the Baltimore Orioles in 1995. He was a former major league manager and now was managing in the Midwest League and now is spending cold April nights in places like Battle Creek, Michigan. Uh, so I, I'm doing the game and I'm, I'm making the calls and it's going great. I can put all this stuff in the computer. I have got no problems. Maybe a couple questionable calls. So after the game, I... <laughs> Well, I mean, you can't just slide over that. Maybe well, no, a couple we're, of no, questionable calls. Oh, we're going to get to that. Trust <laughs> me, we're going to get to that. Uh, I, I mean, I I do my best. What can I do? Uh, so, I go down and after I'd, every game, I always take the box scores to the managers. So I start with the visiting manager. And I give him the box score, and Phil Reagan says, "You know that double in the sec- seventh inning? Uh, you called it a double. It was an error. Our guy should have caught that in the outfield. You know that's clearly an error." And I say, okay, that's no problem. I'll go check with our manager, see what he says. And I'll get back with you. So I go talk to our manager. Now, both clubhouses are behind the dugouts. So I just walk across home plate, go to our, our clubhouse behind our dugout, and talk to our manager. Well, he's not going to give away a hit. I've given his guy a hit. Even if I've made the wrong call, he's not going to tell me that I've made the wrong call and take away a hit from his guy. So I have to go back and tell Phil that, you know, it's my original call. I'm going to stay with it. And, of course, that's going to cost his pitcher an earned run and things like that, and it's going to ruin somebody's career. <laughs> so since you weren't in Battle Creek, I'm going to tell you the coach's offices, you probably have a walk-in closet bigger than the coach's office in the visiting clubhouse in Battle Creek. Uh, there is a desk, there are three lockers, and there are three people trying to change and get ready and do their stuff, do the reports, in an office that is probably six by six at best. Smaller than this Oh, booth. that's half the size of this booth. So it, it's kind of crowded. So by the time I get back there, uh, the manager, Phil Reagan, who is, I'm going to say, 65 or so, uh, he's buck naked. Now, that's not a big deal in baseball. But because the room is so small and I have to go in there and talk to him, there's no place for me to stand except right in front of him. <laughs> and I've got to tell him that I'm going to keep this a double, and your guy is going to have an earned run. This is where it gets a little absurd. (laughs) He proceeds to scream and yell and tell me how stupid I am that that was not a double and I've made a big mistake. Now, while he's carrying on, I'm thinking to myself, what have I gotten myself into? (laughs) I could be in Des Moines, Iowa, probably in bed by now, sleeping and not having to worry about official scores decisions with managers. Now, in fairness to Phil Reagan, a former major league manager, he's probably thinking the same thing. I'm a former major league manager. <laughs> what am I doing here talking to this guy who probably has a Southern Iowa ed- education who knows nothing about baseball, <laughs> and I've got to try to convince him that he's wrong. So I listen to him. I, I just kind of take it, and eventually he says, well, I hope you can live with yourself. <laughs> And I think to myself, yeah, I can. And I leave, and it, it's it's a double. But the thing is, as you know, the minor league baseball season is 140 games long, and the next day we're best friends again. Yeah. Because you can't carry that on forever. 
So you, but you, you said you knew nothing about baseball. Your father was a baseball coach. He was. And that's where I learned how to keep score. You know, fathers are great at teaching people how yeah, to keep score. Yeah, that's how I learned to keep score. So I knew what hits and runs were and things like that. But you didn't know some, maybe some of the finer points of scoring. Right. And, you know, it, it's a lot of judgment calls and hits and errors, but I called it a hit. And in fairness to Phil, later on in the season, we had a call that went against us. I was not the official scorer, but I went down there. And our manager was even a bigger jerk than this guy was, demanding that we change this from an error to a hit. So I go back to our official score. I, I say, you've got to change this. He says, no, it wasn't a hit. And our manager has a, having a bad day. So, Brian, if you're listening, I apologize for making you change that uh, from an error to a hit. You are right, and our manager was wrong, uh, but that's what happens. So a lot of things that you do in a small market just kind of happens. But we had a good time. Uh, that was our, my biggest experience uh, as far as dealing with managers and, and things like that. That uh, you know, here you don't necessarily have Who to do. Who was the manager of Battle Creek? Uh, in Battle Creek, John Mazzarelli was a manager when we were with Houston. He had been there before, and uh, he was appreciative of all the upgrades that we made while we were up there. And then with the Yankees, uh, Mitch Sione was the manager for a while, and then Bill Mosiella uh, was also the manager our second year there. And who's the best player that ever? I won't say best. Who's the? Who had the best career? Of all the people who ever went through there, on your on uh, uh, for the for the Battle Cats of the Yankees. Well, Tyler Clippard is still pitching in the major leagues, and he was there in two thousand three and two thousand four. So he's probably had the longest one, and I, I would say the most. But there were some uh, good guys. Uh, uh, Melky Cabrera was with the Yankees. Oh yeah. Brooks Conrad was there. He eventually went to the Braves. Um, Trying to think who else went through here. Uh, DJ Holton, Mike Burns. Mike Burns came to play for us for, he was before he went to the uh, Dodgers. Uh, Matt Carson was up there for a while. Oh, Omir Santos was, was with the Mets. Uh, Joaquin Arias uh, was in the major leagues. One of the guys that did make the major leagues, though, that I didn't think would be, uh, in 2003, Manny Acosta was a pitcher for us with the Yankees. He went 0-8 with a 6.64 ERA. And was released. Now, if you can't make it in single A, low A, low A, and you have that terrible of a record, uh, you're not going to make it any further. He gets picked up by the Braves organization and eventually pitches in the major leagues for the Atlanta Braves. So that tells you how much I know. It's, it's as you know here, most of the guys are going to have a chance to get to the major leagues. Did you get to know the players? I did a lot. I mean, like I said, it was a small staff, uh, and not. But out of the 25 kids on a roster at any time, two or three are going to make it to the major leagues at most. Uh, we had a good time. They were very young. Where'd they live? They, a lot of host families in Battle Creek, and then some wanted to live on their own, but they lived together uh, in maybe groups of four or five in an apartment because they weren't there that long. And they didn't have any money. No, uh, they, they didn't. They didn't make a whole lot. And, you know, the... the the players from Latin America, we had a routine uh, every two weeks when they got paid. Uh, we would get their checks, and I would take them to Comerica Bank uh, because I had an account there, and I could co-sign for them. They would get their money. Uh, we would go to the, the Mexican supermarket wherever they'd buy some food, but they'd also get international calling cards because, again, we're talking about the early 2000s call home, huh? to call home. And then we would go to uh, Walgreens where they had a Western Union 
uh, office, and they could wire money home, and they did that. So they were left with nothing, basically. And, and then we would go to McDonald's drive through and then we'd go to the, the ballpark and get ready for practice. Those guys were in America for the very first time and didn't know anybody else in Battle Creek, and I seemed maybe like a familiar face and a, and a trusting face, and I was more than willing to help them out. Uh, the first time we were at the Yankees in 2003, uh, we got an April snowstorm, which is nothing to us here in the Midwest. They had never seen snow. They had never seen snow, and they loved it. And we're all thinking seven inches of snow in the first week of April. We all hated it, but but they loved it. They had a great time. Uh, I wish, and if you're listening out there and you're a young kid wanting to get into baseball, I wish I'd have known Spanish more just to be able to communicate with players yeah. uh, from Latin America. But these days, if it's not Spanish, it might, it might be Korean, it might be Japanese. But if you wanted to learn a second language, uh, that would help you in your career, and probably not just in baseball, but, but anywhere around. But, but we had a good time. Uh, you know, our players, we had a lot of fan favorites. and our, Like I said, our, our fans loved them. Our players did a great job with uh, signing autographs and things like that. You know, like I said, they were so young, a lot of them just out of high school, some just out of college, they didn't know any better. Uh, this is their first time, and it was all new, and it was all fun, and, and we had a blast. And it, Was there much of a, a Hispanic population? There wasn't really in Battle Creek, uh, and I don't know if we reached out enough to do that, but uh, we made it work. How many people did the stadium hold? stadium would hold about 4,500. Uh, we probably had what's, about, what's the biggest crowd you ever had? We got close to, on uh, Kellogg's Night or a, a Densodite, which is a manufacturing company, we would get over 4,000. There would be some nights where the actual attendance would be about 100 uh, on a cold night in April and things like that. Uh, so then did you give out free coffee or anything? Uh, we didn't give out free coffee or anything. I mean, you, you would have if you'd have thought of it. If I'd have thought of it. If I knew how to make coffee, uh, I would have done that. Uh, but, you know, we did some things that uh, drew, some, drew, drew some folks in there. And, uh, you know, for the most part, Everybody that came to the game had a good time. But you were basically on your own. We, yeah, we were, on your, we were on our own. I mean, nobody was really second-guessing you from here or anything like no. that. They just, every, every once in a while, someone would say, whatever happened to Scott Saylor? But that was about it. No, we, we had a lot of fun. And we did have the Midwest League supervisor was based in Kalamazoo. Umpire supervisor was based in Kalamazoo. So he was at all the games, and he helped me out with uh, the umpires and things like that. Uh, a nice guy, uh, Sam knows him, a terrific guy. One of the umpires coming through Battle Creek in 2004 was Bob Davidson. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bob Davidson, as you know, was a former Major League Baseball umpire and had been on the wrong side of a labor dispute. And so he had to start at single A again, which— How was that? First of all, if people know Bob, he is n he's not the most congenial fellow at all when, he, when he's happy. So he's kind of a grump. And so he's got to make his way a whole season— uh, in the Midwest League in Battle Creek, Michigan. And so he's going to come to Battle Creek for the first time. I don't know who he is. I don't know who's coming uh, or what he's what he's coming through here for. And he happens to be coming in August, and he's just coming from Dayton. And in Dayton was a brand-new stadium, yeah. the, a, a palatial experience. Big crowds. Big crowds, fancy accommodations, perfect things. Uh, and so he's just coming from Dayton, and he's coming to Battle Creek for the first time, and the umpire accommodations that year in 2004 in Battle Creek was a construction trailer just behind the left field fence. And it was better than the accommodations we used to have, which was a tiny thing behind home plate. But there was room, 
but it's a construction trailer, and it's not very fancy. So as in charge, I go each time we have a new umpiring crew in there, and I go to find out who's got the plate and who's got the bases so we can put that in the game notes and tell the managers and stuff. So I knock on the, the trailer door, and Bob Davidson opens the door, and he looks at me and goes, are you in charge? And I go, yeah, I'm Scott Stiller. I just wanted to come here and, and get who's doing the bases and, and the plate, see if anything. He goes, so you're in charge? I go, yeah. He goes, this place is a shithole. And he looks at me and says that. And then he sees that I have a pad of paper in my hand and a pencil because I'm going to write down who's got the plate and who's got the bases. And he goes, shithole, S-H-I-T-H-O-L-E, shithole. Well, did you write it down? I had been in Battle Creek for three years. I knew what he was talking about. I said, yes, I know. But did you write it down when he spelled it for you? I kind of scribbled on there, pretending <laughs> I was writing it down. So I, I kind of said, yeah, I understand, but it's best we can do. We'll try to make your accommodations uh, the best we can. And he kind of grumbles a little bit. Uh, and I say, and all the time I'm thinking, I don't care that he called this place a shithole. All I know is I've got a great story, and I'm going to be able to tell that the rest of my life. <laughs> Bob Davidson looked at me and called my stadium a shithole. So we get over that, and I go, oh, by the way, who's got the plate? <laughs> and it turns out I call Sam immediately because I've got this great story to tell. Sam knows Bob. He explains to me the situation, why Bob's a grump, and that's probably putting it nicely. And uh, he, I think he calls Bob and gets a hold of me and explains to him why the situation in Battle Creek is what it is. Um, but, again, a nice story that we had uh, that we can tell the rest of our lives. So that's what you got out of running the team in, in Battle Creek. It's probably three or four really good I stories. Got, I got great stories. Made some great friends. Uh, still some friends with those folks today. And how much money did I lose in this entire, in this entire thing? To, for, so you could get four stories. Uh, millions. <laughs> but, you know, it, it could have been better. We could have been in Dubuque. We, you know, had things gone better in Dubuque, I wouldn't have come back to Des Moines. I'd have gone to Dubuque. So I wouldn't have any stories... From 2000, that, that, that might have been a win-win for the Iowa Cubs. If you'd have stayed in Dubuque and not come back here, I mean, this place would, would have made more money and run better because, because, you know, like it or not, you're known as a cost center. Now, you have nothing to say, do you? I, I'm going to say, <laughs> you're listening to Unwritten Rules, an Iowa Cubs podcast. My name is Scott Saylor. The man who just insulted me was Michael Gartner. So I came back to Des Moines in 2005, and we get the high school state baseball tournament. But you also put me in charge of the video program, which we are going to start in 2006. That's right. We go to Cedar Rapids. <laughs> you can tell that story. I was not there. I went to Cedar Rapids, and I know I was with either you or Sam Burnaby, and you both deny that you were there. I know I didn't go over alone. And we walked through and we, we looked at their video thing and I said to you or to Sam, and Sam denies he was there too, I said, I can tell you one thing, we're never going to build up a television station like this. And by the time I'm back, you've got one built up. You've hired, you've hired, a, dozen inter you've hired a dozen interns, you've got cameras all over the place, and it turned out to be a great thing. It did turn out to be a great thing, and, and we, we've hired a lot of video interns in the past, Justin, our, our moderator, our host today on the, on the board, 
one of them. So if I don't come back in 2005, what happens to Justin? What happens to all those terrific interns that we've had? Yeah, that's true. So That's true. You've hired. It, it, what was that? Was that when we started this, 2005? So 2006, six, we had a, the, the so full 15, crew. 15 years ago. 15 so years we've ago. probably hired between 150 and 200 uh, interns who got their first start in kind of television production and everything right here. And a ton of them have gone on and continued that career in a lot of different varieties, either with local TV news or professional sports teams or for colleges and universities. So, and they're all great kids. And they're all great kids. And as you know, I know nothing about video, but don't tell anybody. They did everything. I kind of said, here's the equipment, go at it. So, so the it, truth is, I know nothing about it either. <laughs> and I ran NBC News for five years. Uh, so in 2003, we'll go back to the part in Dubuque where you've, we've gone to Dubuque to ask them to, to have our team, and they say no, and so I have to go back to Battle Creek in 2004 and finish the rest of the season there. <laughs> now, you try to sell the team, obviously, and the first guy you try to sell the team with is uh, the ownership group, but David Hirsch is involved in this ownership group. Uh, and after the season's over, we go to... Kane County, and the league is going to vote on whether to approve the sale uh, to David Hirsch and his group. And they don't approve the David sale. David Hirsch was not a popular guy in baseball. He, he had been, he, he, he was in baseball, the, and people who knew him didn't like him. He owned the team, the Cubs affiliate, which was then in AA, team, AA affiliate in Jackson, Tennessee. And so we go, and we have let, Sam is being a nice guy, he has let the new processive owners set up shop in the trailer and to get a head start on the 2005 season knowing that the thing is conditional on us getting approval from the league. So I share the office with the new owners and the new staff, and it's kind of awkward and uncomfortable, but I know I'm coming back to Des Moines and I can do it. So the, the league meeting is in, let's say, October in Kane County, and they're going to approve it. And I have uh, packed my car with stuff from Battle Creek because I'm going to go to Kane County, and I'm going to bring the rest of it home to Des Moines. So we get to Kane County, and the league turns down. Was it close? Sort of. They needed a supermajority, and they didn't get a supermajority. And after hearing the things, I can understand why they didn't want him involved in the team, in the league. But so the the league turns down the vote. So instead of me driving to Des Moines to go <laughs> home, go I turn back and go back to, to Battle Creek and unpack my all my stuff and put it back in the trailer and wait for things to happen again. Uh, so, how, so how long was that? About another month. I don't get here till December instead of October. So another month goes by. They rearrange their ownership group without David Hirsch, and you sell the team uh, to the new group uh, with Bill Shea and folks, and they take over, and they change their name to the, the Southwest Michigan Devil Rays, and they stay there for two years, and then it becomes uh, the Great Lake Loons in a brand-new stadium in Midland, Michigan. Uh, so that's kind of three seasons in Battle Creek. There are uh, tons of stories. Uh, like I said, I had a good time. I appreciate the fact that you and Sam and the Iowa Cubs pretty much bankrolled the operation. There wasn't a lot of pressure pretty on much, us. Pretty much. <laughs> Completely. <laughs> um, you know. But you had great, but you had, going up there, you had experience running things. Like you ran, you ran a road race, for instance, in, in Iowa. The, the, uh, the Sutliff Bridge the 5K. Sutliff Bridge 5K, which Runner's World magazine called. The worst road race in America. And you were proud of that for and some we reason. Proud. I I was okay at getting uh, publicity, publicity. Any kind, any whether kind it was publicity. for the paid attendance night or for the worst road race in America 
or for Hoover Ball, which was made popular by President Herbert Hoover back in the that 1930s. That's when you worked at the, at the Hoover Museum, Hoover right. Library Association in West Branch. Uh, so, you know, I was no but the stranger. Road race, but the road race, for one reason it never re achieved great popularity is you often wouldn't announce when it was going to be. Um, is that true? That's true. Well, you don't want too many people coming. It was kind of like Battle Creek. And furthermore, you would determine the categories after the race was over. I may have played with the stats a little bit. Uh, but So that somebody, like if you had a friend who ran and finished 48th out of 50th because you limited the, you limited the enrollment to 50 or so, that person might have won the category for people aged 36 and a half to 37. That's, that's and then you'd call that into the register. And, and they, they would run the results. And they would run the results. Um, no. So I'd, I had some experience in sports before coming to the Iowa Cubs. Uh, I'd been a sports writer uh, for the register and the Quad City Times and for some other papers. And then I got to work for UN Ames. And when you bought the team in 1999, I asked, and you said I could come and work for you still. Did you ask or did I ask you? I'm not sure. I was looking, you know. Until this job, I hadn't stayed anywhere very long. Ames? You stayed in Ames? Eh, three years. Two different stints. Maybe five years total. Maybe. It's a anyway, blur now. Anyway, either I asked you or you asked me. And I said to Sam, when we bought it, I said, I'm bringing a guy with me. And he said, who? And I said, Scott, he said, what's he going to do? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. But you will find, after two months, that... You, you wonder how you, how you ran the operation without him. And that's true, and you've been here now, uh, not counting the years in Battle Creek, uh, 17 or 18 years. 22. 22 years? I started in August of 99, so I think this is my 22nd season, if you count last year as a season. Uh, I, I don't know if all that was true about... What did you do with your 20-year watch? <laughs> I fouled it with my 10-year ring. Uh, it's in a safe deposit box. Um, For a while, you're, you were director of stuff here? One of the nice things about doing the yearbook for so many years was being able to invent your own title for the, the staff page. And over the years, you were? I was director of stuff. I was director of fan experience, uh, probably uh, some other things in there, too, that had nothing to do with that. But uh, that was fun. You know, overall... And you're going to say this, too. Minor League Baseball is a very fun thing to do. Oh, yeah. uh, of, of all the things you've got to do, this has been a lot of fun. There's no question about it. Uh, there's no question about it. But you have to remember that also it's a business. And uh, I want to repeat, also, it's a business. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know that. And, and no. when, when uh, I think I said this once before, when... William Wrigley or P.K. Wrigley or whoever it was bought the Chicago Cubs. Uh, he said baseball is too much of a business to be a sport and it's too much of a sport to be a business. And that's the way minor league baseball still is. You know, you can, you can be up here in the morning working away on some promotion or selling something and then the afternoon go down and stand behind the batting cage and talk to the players and the manager and, and just enjoy a beautiful, uh, a beautiful summer afternoon and you're getting paid to do it. And that's, that's true at the AAA level and, and kind of wrapping things up in Battle Creek. That was even more true at the single A level because you were just so close to everything. You had to be involved 
in every facet of the organization. Uh, I worked concessions. Uh, I pulled tarp. I counted the money after the games. I took players to the airport in, in Kalamazoo. Uh, you just had to do everything. And everybody on that staff did everything. And uh, again, for anybody listening who wants to get into baseball, don't be afraid to start at the bottom because you're going to learn a lot of stuff at those lower levels that are going to help you when you go up to a higher level and you have to manage all the different departments or see how things work together. You'll have done that all together. Uh, I want to give a, a shout-out to our trainer for two years in Battle Creek, uh, Zach Womack. Uh, the, the trainers at all levels do a lot of stuff besides being athletic trainers, and he did a terrific job for us. Uh, where is he now? Uh, he is the trainer at East Carolina University, uh, where he's from originally, that part of the, the country. Uh, you know, they he did a great job. We, you know, Luke, again, Luke Kaboshik, our stadium ops guy. Where did he end up? Uh, Luke's in, still in Michigan, uh, working up there, not in sports. Uh, a couple of our guys that work there found wives and families uh, from Battle Creek and, and stayed up in Michigan or around there. The, to kind of finish things off, if you are listening and interested more about the Battle Creek Yankees, last year when the pandemic hit, I decided to start a Battle Creek Yankees Twitter account, and we live tweeted, if that's a word, the 2003 season as it happened day by day, and we've continued that this year with the 2004 season. Uh, I did that for a couple reasons, one, for something to do, but two, the Battle Creek Yankees existed for only two seasons, and since they're no longer in the town they were there, there's nobody to remember those two seasons uh, because they're gone, and there's no historical record of it because it's kind of pre-digital era. So if anybody's interested, uh, BCYankees04 is the Twitter handle, and they can follow along day by day. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of followers, but we've got some former workers and players and, and stuff that are, are kind of following along day by day uh, how the season goes. Uh, spoiler alert, it's not going to end well this season for us. I was going to say, what were the records the three years you were there? Uh, we did okay. We made the playoffs the first two years, and we uh, were in the playoff hunt until the last day of the season of our third year. Now, it, it was a little easier to make the Midwest League playoffs back then. There were six teams in our division, and four of the six made the playoffs. So, uh, but did you win any playoff games? We didn't advance any in any of the series. Lansing always beat us out when I was there in the in the first two years. And who were they? Were they the Cubs? They were with uh, the Cubs then. And some of the people that worked or played in Lansing that we knew uh, came eventually came to us. Came through here, yeah. Now, the Midwest League is nice because the towns are so close. You know, the four Iowa communities are very close. Up in Michigan, we had— You're uh, talking as if there still are four Iowa communities in the Midwest League. Yes, back in the day there were. But in Michigan, we had uh, Battle Creek. Uh, West Michigan was in Grand Rapids. And then uh, Lansing was there. We could also drive to Fort Wayne or South Bend. We're all within 100 miles. So you got more of a, a feel as fans would come to different parts of the, the league, and we got to see— uh, more the league than you would in the old Pacific Coast League, where if we played at Tacoma, we wouldn't just drive for a weekend series to Tacoma. Well, you know, the whole thing was just to make you happy and have fun. And so it really worked, it really worked out for the best, didn't it? Because, because for three years, you just had a, whole, you had a whole lot of fun. And what more is there? Exactly than you, right. you having fun. Uh, exactly. That, that's why you were put on earth <laughs> 80 years, 82 years ago? 82 years ago. 
that you knew someday your goal. No, no. I, I, like I said, you and Sam and everybody at the Iowa Cubs that, that bankrolled us and supported us, and a lot of our staff made trips to Battle Creek. I know uh, during the course of the season. Yeah, not, but but not everybody. Not everybody. Uh, not the owner, but the accountant did. Lori made a trip once. Did Mike Judas says he ever make a trip? Mike Judas says he did not. Doug Dorner did not. Uh, but uh, we had fun up there. I I, I think. We'd had a lot of fun in Dubuque, too, had that yeah, panned out. Yeah. It, it, I, was, um, I, I very much regret that the Dubuque people turned it down because it would have been a lot of fun. It would have been great for the town. The ballpark was going to be right down there uh, on, the, on the river, right, be, right by the museum and the, and the big new hotel. Uh, was going to be a great little ballpark. It was all designed. I mean, we had it all designed and everything. Cubs uh, affiliate. We were, great, hope, we were hoping it would be a Cubs affiliate. Great baseball town. Yeah, fantastic baseball ta- town. And the only town outside of Chicago that has a park named Wrigley. No, no. Comiskey Park. Oh. There you go. I was wrong. There's a there's a park uh, up on the hill in uh, Dubuque. Everything's up on a hill in Dubuque called Comiskey Park. That's right, because there's a Wrigley Field in L.A. Or at least there was. There was, time. yeah. Probably not anymore. Anything else about our time in, in Battle Creek? Not so much in Davenport. Not so much in Dubuque. That. Uh, you want to say about your three years of ownership of a Midwest League franchise? It was a great experience. It was fun. It's true. You learn a lot about baseball, Class A, Double A, Triple A, and uh, I'm glad we did it. I wish it would have worked out differently, but uh, it didn't. And we'll end on that. Thank you, Michael Gartner, owner of the Iowa Cubs, former owner of the Michigan Battle Cats, former owner of the Battle Creek Yankees. Uh, I'm Scott Saylor, uh, former general manager, I guess, of the Michigan Battle Cats and the Battle Creek Yankees and current part-time intern with the Iowa Cubs uh, these days. Uh, You've been listening to Unwritten Rules, an Iowa Cubs podcast. Uh, Thank you for listening. We've got new episodes every Tuesday, and you can check those out uh, at finer locations where your uh, best podcasts are sold. Thank you, Mr. Gardner. Thank you, Mr. Saylor.